Scalf Podcast, and I am Mark Belden. Scalf is to be found at www.scalf.org.uk. It's a virtual project space accessible to anyone everywhere. Like a physical artist-run gallery, it's a space created and curated by artists presenting work in different ways. It's not the documentation of an exhibition happening somewhere else. The site is the space and the visitor is you on your computer or device. This is the second podcast where we have tried to gather all the artists from a whole series of shows around a particular theme. This time, the shows center on the idea of gesture. I'll be speaking to Alice Hartley, Lou Watkins, and the duo of Robin Smith and Richard Phoenix. Asking them all about the idea of gesture, they all had a different take on it. Sometimes it's about the painted mark, a movement caught on a surface, or it's about a sign made by the face or hands, or it's the idea of an action that denotes something, like giving someone a gift. But I guess in all those cases, gesture is about communication. I think I've spoken on here before about how the podcast has also become a strange journal of where we are in the pandemic. So episode six was recorded in the days of the first lockdown. Episode seven was about working under restricted conditions. Eight and nine were made in a world that was slowly opening up again. So episode 10, this episode, is the episode where I finally caught COVID. I'm feeling fine now, but it delayed the episode a bit. There was a bit of rescheduling and doing things remotely, not because of any government restrictions, but because I was actually testing positive. But a few weeks before the virus struck, I was able to safely go to Alice Hartley's studio to talk to her about her recent exhibition on Scalf, Grasp the Land. There's the occasional noise of a train or helicopter in the background, but I think that all helps set the scene as we spoke under a skylight surrounded by Alice's gorgeous new oil paintings in her South London studio. Alice is an artist who works across painting, printmaking, and installation, but the Scalf Show is her first virtual project. Before we hear the interview, let's hear an excerpt of Kit Grill's lovely track, Feather, which forms the soundtrack of Alice's show. So how are the monoprints made? Monoprints, um, so it's, it's something I've built up for like the last nearly 10 years now. But um, I picked it up when I was at the RCA. And it's a, uh, it's a really quick kind of way of, kind of it sits somewhere between a painting and a print. And you're painting with your, I use water-based inks, but you can use, I've used solvent-based before, but you paint directly onto an open screen. Um, there's no um, stencil image on it, it's just open. And you're working fairly quickly, like you can, you know, give it a bit of time, but you work fairly quickly. And you're painting almost like a backwards painting, so whatever you paint first will sit at the front of the image, of the painting foreground. And the last bit of paint will sit at the back. And then you pull it through with the squeegee and once, and then it's a one-of-a-kind print. 
Um, and I mean, you can pull it through again, but it's not going to be the same. It's very like kind of blurred and stuff. But I usually just do one print, one pull for one image. Um, the ones I did with Scalf, those were these like shapes that I've been drawing over lockdown. Like they were these kind of like abstract floating shapes that are, they were kind of like clouds, but they also were quite heavy and they had this kind of bulkiness to them as well. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So there's, so in, in a way it's, it's, I don't know, I guess it's, a, it's not painting, but I guess some of the, the part of the application and some yeah. of the gestures are almost like painting. I think it is painting. It is painting because you're using a brush and you're directing it. You're just there's just this kind of like thing in between, which is the mesh, and then you're, and then by pulling it through, it becomes a print. So there is painting in it, yeah. but it's not just painting. But the I guess the screen and the whole yeah. there's that level of a, a kind of mediation yeah. in it or in, and an unknowing as well yeah. and allowing chance to kind of play quite a key element within it if you're using a squeegee to pull it through like you, you're allowing something to make it flat and you're kind of distributing the ink in a way where you can't with painting so you're kind of like it's more permanent in a way and you have to work quicker and because you're printing on paper as well, like it's that's it kind of in a way, like you're just pulling it through. Um, yeah. There's no wiping it off or no, uh, yeah. or yeah, exactly. Like you know, if I'm from working with oil paints, like often I'm less precious about like whether I put something down that I'm not happy with because I will wipe it or I'll paint over it or whatever. But with monoprint, it's just this instant. It's like an instant thing. And I find that's a really handy tool. Um, kind of, it, you have to go with what you're feeling. It's very intuitive. It's almost like a gut thing. You're very much like leading, letting your kind of instinct lead the way. So I guess this um, series of shows is around mm. gesture. Yeah. Were you thinking about gesture in terms of? Mark making or yes, yeah, it's always gesture and mark making with me. Like it's always whether it's with the paintbrush or literally with my hand or scraping something. Like it's forceful, it's purposeful, it's it's all in gesture. Literally, like it's with the hand. Um, often there'll be a. I'll like drag the ink with my hand so you almost it looks like you can see a handprint coming through. Um, it's all about movement as well. Okay. So it's kind of like, especially with the piece that we made, it's um, the, there's movement, things passing by, some things are quicker, some things are slower, some things repeat, like it's but it's constantly like changing and evolving and it's with the gesture. How did you go about bringing those the printed images or those yeah. sort of uh, images on paper yeah. into the digital space? Or uh, into so I photographed show. and scanned some of them, put them into Photoshop, um, and I just like very kind of loosely and clumsily 
cut out the ones I the shapes that stuck out for me, and then Claire kind of worked her magic, and then and then we had the background as a separate thing that was looping as well. Yeah. And the, and the sort of text that. And comes the, in. Yeah, the text is something I write. So I have a lot of sketchbooks. I'll show you in a bit, but um, I have a I have a lot of sketchbooks. I've always um, throughout my whole time of making art, I've always kept sketchbooks and kept them in a, as a way. It's just an informal diary, but it's usually through drawing, and then I'll make notes as well. Um, and I do quite a bit of writing, like all quite short bursts. Um, and then I'll try, and often they'll, they'll just lead to the title of my work, but sometimes I try and bring things together and they might turn into a poem or it might be just a piece of text. Um, and they might appear in the work or they might sit by themselves. Um, so that was from that. I think it was just a few bits. And I'll go through, like, sometimes if I don't have my sketchbook, I'll put it on my notes on my phone and then I... If I'm like trying to gather things, I'll go through all of those and then go through all sketchbooks and then that will inform, yeah, that, those things. So that all came from that. Because um, you've done other things that were like a billboard and a yeah, wall-sized installation. Yeah, exactly. The text comes into. Yeah, it's all my own stuff. Like it's yeah. all from, often it will be things like, I mean, when I was with the wall stuff, I it was like overhead stuff and then stuff I'd repeat and then kind of edit and put it by itself and, and then it kind of develops its own meaning or takes a new form. I find I found it really difficult actually the last like two years I have been kind of reluctant to make text work um, just because it's it feels like it has such a like weight to it especially with like the state of everything and like I feel like it could really be applied to things like the pandemic or anything so I just was like everything I thought of I just didn't feel like it could sit on its own um but I'm slowly getting there like I'm kind of bringing text back in it is really important to me like I don't want to leave it and I think this project actually was really helpful in that way yeah Um, I guess it's like sort of like every time with the pandemic, every time the world sort of gets turned upside down, yeah. you start, even things you've written before, you start reading them differently, mm-hmm. and then to put something new out there, yeah. is it is it going to be read differently in yeah. three months, or a year, or yeah. five years, or, yeah. Totally, and it's, I think also, like, I was making, so, I was making a huge amount of text work, especially, like, that time just after RCA, a few years, I was doing that, and then, like, I kind of people were like, oh, yeah, you do all those text pieces, and I've always done other stuff as well. Like drawing is a hu- mark making is such a predominant part of my practice, and so I kind of was like, you know, I'm not just this person who does these billboards, but mm. I also I don't know. Maybe it's just me talking to myself and being like, no, I'm doing this as well. But um, yeah, like I think it's important to like, you know, use different bits and. Um, yeah, and then now I, I kind of feel like they're kind of intertwining a bit more and um, even just like titles or having something that's very kind of um, gestural or um, abstract with a piece of text next to it is working and 
I really enjoyed the way that the kind of text with the piece we did with Scalf kind of floated through and came and went. Like it wasn't, you know, the predominant, it wasn't heavy, it wasn't like the first thing you see. You're seeing this moving landscape and all these shapes moving with the text coming through. It's all kind of equal measures. It's quite, yeah, I think that worked really well. And then, well, you said the, the you had the awareness around text through the last yeah, couple of years, yeah, but yeah. like coming back to it with this show, do you think you were approaching it differently, or would I, there be something? I think could... yeah, I think I was like a bit hesitant. I was, I was, I definitely wanted to use text, and I had some like I had like a bunch of stuff in mind, and I was just very like can I do this? Like, I haven't done this for a while. You know, when you just haven't done something for ages and you're like, how do I do this? And then once I got going, it was actually really nice. And, um, yeah, I want to do more. But, um, yeah, it's it, it was all there. Like, yeah, I just literally, like, pulled all the bits together and did it. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, how did the the music for the show come together so Kit his music I I love his music I've listened to it a lot it's often I so when I'm at the start of a project I always tend to make one or two playlists it's things you know that I'm forming my drawing things that um I it, it kind of sets the tone for the project and I have an idea of you know if I'm thinking about landscape or momentum or a pace then I'll try and select music that kind of aids that and Kits is often a lot of his music is often within those playlists it's and things like Got Two Twins um, who else Nils Fram Philip Glass um, yeah loads of people I mean yeah. yeah like it's it really varies I mean then then I'll listen to like a lot of hip hop or whatever but like yeah, and then it's just the rhythm of that song for me. It was something about it, and it's yeah, I'm really drawn to it. There are a few songs that I always like; they'll always be on the playlist. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, I get a lot from that track. Yeah, because I think that, I don't know. Yeah, there's just things that are conducive to yeah. working, and yeah. um, it almost like sometimes it might be like hard to explain yeah. <laughs> to someone outside of it. It's like a feel, it's like a guttural feeling, like mm. in the tr that track Feather, it's like, it's got this kind of like, it makes you feel a bit on edge. It's similar to, as a track by Mika Levy, so called Love, and I, um, it's on the, um, what's that film called? Um, Beneath, it's the one with Scarlett Johansson where she's in like Glasgow and she's an alien. Beneath the un skin, under, under skin. the skin. Under the skin, yeah. So it's from that, and it's got a real like eeriness to it, and it makes it always makes like my other hairs on my arms always like stick up, and um, it's got a kind of grindingness to it that I I really like, um, and it it really helps me focus. Um, yeah, I think a lot of my painting is informed by sound, so. Yeah. yeah, it's that instinctual kind of reaction, um, and there's the pace as well. Definitely, I need to have something like to keep that pace. Yeah, I think I I always find that there's certain yeah like in the studio there's it's like no that's too fast no that's too slow <laughs> yeah 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 you'll say that and the painting the actual physical painting would take like ten minutes but like finding the right song could take 
20. Like, yeah. Well, you have to be in the right frame of mind. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah totally. Yeah. It's, it's all about that. Um, yeah, yeah, I really, I really find, like, the kind of, um, the routine of, like, you make playlists, you make the tea, yeah. Yeah, but it, I mean, it works really well in the show, because you just yeah. sort of, you're just kind of, you're moving and yeah. floating, floating across, and then, yeah, yeah with these, these, these things isolated on gestures yeah. kind of coming towards you, or floating by you. Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great track. It's really good. He's very talented. Um, he's on NTS as well. He does oh, yeah. a show on NTS, which is really good. He's, he uh, makes great playlists. <laughs> <laughs> and did, it, did you know him beforehand? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a friend. Okay, yeah. 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 That's, that's always helpful with asking yeah. to use something. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always, yeah. But um, yeah, he's been very generous. Yeah. Maybe, because I guess in, in the show, there is a kind of, there's a, a kind of, maybe it's almost like animation. And I was, yeah, I was wondering, it was just sort of an, do you have like this interesting progress in, <laughs> in what you've done over the years? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, like you started out with like a sort of BA in illustration and animation? Yeah, animation, yeah. I did, yes, yeah, so I started at Kingston. Uh, I did illustration and animation, um, and I specialised in animation to start with, which was great. And mostly, I think the reason why I was drawn to that to begin with was because of like mostly of the sound and the pace and that kind of quickness. But I just I'm terrible at like being patient and being able to, you know, oh, I couldn't. I had to make something that was instant. So then I went to back to illustration, but I. Yeah, I should have really done fine art, but I found um, a lot of solace in the print room. And I had some really good tutors there who kind of were just encouraging me to basically just be in there and um, really push things like scale and shape. And um, it, it basically what I made for my final show was a fine art piece. It was an installation. But um, yeah, I mean, I did a year of freelance illustration which was fine, but really, like, not for me. And then I went and I got a place and did an MA in printmaking fine art at the RCA, which was great. I was there in... Oh, when did I go? I started in 2011 and graduated in 2013, so just after my BA, so I was pretty young. I'm very naive. <laughs> and I'd never studied fine art before, which was quite, like... Yeah, it was... I was definitely naive, but I think in a way it really favoured me in a lot of ways. And yeah, just really like great program, really encouraged us to kind of experiment and things like, like I love doing etching and I love doing wood carts, but it's the preciseness is really, it takes a huge amount of concentration and you have to be really patient and clean and I'm fairly quick and slightly clumsy and a bit messy. I mean, I am very tidy, but like it's, I can't, I have to kind of be in it and go and slightly more aggressive, I suppose, in the way that I execute things. So the mono printing and screen printing was perfect for me. Um, but yeah, I do really like working with things like wood and stuff like that. Like I've always kind of like, if I can find a way of using a skill, I will. Like if it's making a gesso board or, um, at the moment I'm trying to source some timber from where I'm from back in the South Downs with my dad 
and like build our own frames and stuff like that. So it's all very like process is super important and material is really important. So yeah, so starting at animation and then kind of really going through something and then turning towards really traditional processes and methods. And now I'm doing oil painting. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was going to say, we're sitting in your studio uh, with oil paintings on the wall. And yeah. And, like, everything set up for oil painting. And, yeah, it's sort of, it's, like, yeah, this it's, interesting kind of journey through different ways of working. Yeah, it's kind of backwards in a way. But um, drawing is always there. Like, I guess that's why I did illustrations, because I've always loved drawing. Um and I draw on my paintings as well. Like, I've always got a bit of pencil and charcoal. But, um, yeah, it's now I'm painting, and it's I love it. Um, that's, I'm working towards a few shows at the moment, but um, they're really... These ones are really quick, the paintings I've been working on. Like, some of them I made in a matter of minutes. But, um, yeah, I think... It's, it's still that thing of the monoprinting. It's like working with instinct, working with the gut, looking at it, kind of, I don't know, it's about trust and, and um, yeah. And this space has been great because of the light as well, so. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like sometimes with the painting, it's not, it's just, it's sort of, it's setting up the conditions to make something quickly that takes a long time. Yeah, and I like that. I like that you, you know, sometimes when you're in a studio and you're like, I'm really not in the mood for digging deep into myself and like, or I can't do that, it's too heavy, like, I don't know, like mentally heavy. But you can do something really practical, like, you know, build a, build a canvas or... I don't know, like make loads of size or yeah. gesso or that's something that I, even just hiding a studio is... I, I was going to say, I, I go to cleaning. Oh, <laughs> I love nothing, it. Clean yeah. your brushes. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of process in that and there's time to think and you can look whilst we're doing it. And that's just as important and it's just as productive as making the mark. Um, and like, a, like an oil-based anything there's a certain time built into it yeah drying drying yeah um sitting with it yeah yeah. and you really it gets personal like you sit with an object and you're looking at it and you see it change and you see it dry and you see like you paint something and you see it moving and um yeah it's fascinating like it's it's great here's a train big thank you to Alice Hartley for letting me come around to her studio. It was so great to speak, surrounded by lots of her new work. Thank you also to Kit Grill for letting us play a bit of his music. You can find more of Alice's work at her website, alicehartley.net, and you can find Kit Grill at kitgrill.com. My next interview is with Lou Watkins. His show on Skelf is Escape from Fireship Cove. Lou is an artist who makes sculpture and writing and now online projects at the intersection of Buddhism and science fiction. I was, by the time Lou and I spoke, in the middle of a bout of COVID. So 
We spoke online over Zoom and actually had a really good conversation despite my mental fogginess. Here is a bit of the audio from Escape from Fireship Cove to set the scene. But the, the overall theme of the, the series of exhibitions is gesture. And what, were there ways you were thinking about gesture in putting the work together? Well, my first thought, um, I have a kind of long-term engagement with uh, the Buddhist tradition. So my first thought when I heard the word gesture uh, is the concept of mudra, um, which is a, a kind of emphasis in both the Hindu and the Buddhist traditions of, of how uh, a gesture, often a hand gesture, can impart meaning um, or can, can transmit, can be a kind of transmission, I suppose. Um, so that was one of my starting points. Uh, yeah, so for me it was um, instantly about uh, gesture from one person to another, communication from one person to another, um, or communicating something. Um, and I guess that connects into the fact that I'm a storyteller and, and narratives a very important part of my work. Um, because of the kind of aforementioned connection to uh, the concept of mudra as well, I, I was thinking especially to do with um, hand gestures. But I would say also all communication and, and perhaps um, especially nonverbal communication uh, would, would be included in that. Because it's also, maybe I'm being literal, but it's like a, 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 a hand that sort of you navigate with through the Exactly, show. yeah. Yeah, and then also there's hands arise as, as part of the kind of uh, display of phenomena that you navigate through. So uh, that was definitely a direct response to the idea of gesture and, and my own kind of contemplations around um, what can be communicated by a hand. Because, um, yeah, I noticed there's some, a lot of times it's sort of a, a pair of hands that comes up. It's like a, often a smaller hand and a larger hand kind of interacting or holding on to each other. Were they, were they from a specific source or are they a specific reference? To? Yeah, they are a specific reference. Um, I wanted to leave it as a very open experience for the viewer. Um, so I didn't want to cloud things too much with my own, uh, story background, so to speak, but I've been working for a number of years on a, um, loosely, uh, speculative fiction novel, uh, that centers around, um, the grief of a young mother when she's forcibly separated from her child. So the two, two hands are, um, my character, Emily and her daughter, Olfen, um, and the, um, narrative that I see in the the images and the kind of um, uh, click-through adventure um, is this uh, very painful separation, the attempt to escape and then a, a, uh, that being thwarted and a, a, a forcible separation between the mother and her child. Is this the same um, story? Like I know some of the past exhibitions have worked between 
the objects in the gallery and a um, and a and a, and a text. Is it mm. is this a development of the same thing, or is this a new? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it is a development of um, those other works. Uh, I think since about five years, all my um, writing and sculptural practice has uh, been framed by this exploration of uh, what I called the hinterland shift or this kind of world building um, that's involved in writing a a fantastical novel. Um, So my works in general, uh, my sculptural works, uh, tend to be explorations of characters or places um, that are part of my novel. Um, And there's a reciprocal process between uh, making um, non-figurative sculpture uh, that I see as kind of psychological maps of the characters or um, as evocative of the qualities of the places that the characters inhabit, um, that process, and then also the process of creative writing, of um, trying to create scenes and dialogue um, in a conventional sense. Um, and there's a kind of uh, reciprocal quality between those two so that um, writing can teach me about the sculpture and then the sculpture can teach me about the writing. And then in... I guess in 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 viewing it though is it is it important to to know that story to navigate the piece or I hope not um I'm quite interested with the sculptural work especially um to leave things quite open um I like the idea of uh inviting people to uh project their own stories or um, their own kind of understanding or search for meaning um, on the things that I make. So I, I, I try not to be too didactic in the works. Um, that being said, this body of work that's slowly built, building up um, will be accessible, you know, as, as a whole, as, as things develop. Um, so it may be mined in the future by people with uh, more of a sense of of the kind of overarching narrative and therefore seen in um, a different light to the way that someone might uh, see the works now without that context. I think both is fine, really. Uh... I suppose there's the obvious sort of physical difference of, you know, between a a website and a object in a space, but um, did it, did working online kind of, change the way you were approaching things at all yeah definitely um it was very challenging as a as a kind of i mean it was a challenge uh you know like literally it was it was a um like a kind of invitation to to test my practice and and try it out in a new uh media or or with new um elements to it um i hadn't drawn in the way that I drew for this project for years, really. Um, so that was uh, difficult, um, exciting uh, to pick up uh, pens and pencils, to buy a set of watercolours, to work in two dimensions. Um, and because I wanted to communicate narrative, I decided to incorporate more explicitly figurative elements, um, a bird or or train tracks um which is something i tend to shy away from in my sculptural practice um but i felt was important in this context 
because I guess your the sculptures exist as often exist sort of quite close to the floor in mm. the space and um, were uh, you know in a, it's this very specific kind of assemblage of materials and I guess some of that gets represented in the digital images as well but I, um... uh, yeah I, I make um, uh, landscapes uh, exactly as, as you said they are um, uh, often close to the floor and uh, have a quality of, of um, you know almost like uh, mountains or terrain there's a sense of um, uh, bodies of earth um, that create a an environment um, they uh, as I mentioned earlier also serve as kind of psychological maps often um, so I'm interested in that metaphor of, of kind of inner landscape our own um, emotionality or our sense of being and the way that that could be uh, interpreted as a geographical um, environment um, and then also practically I found that making things on the floor uh, can invite the viewer down into the space um, so that uh, in a gallery or an exhibition people will have to literally crouch down or, or lean down um, to get a close look at some of the uh, details in, in the terrains that I make um, and I think that's helpful in terms of the viewer then being able to project themselves into a story or to project a story onto the sculptures themselves. And I think well that move is quite helpful, like because I think it's so so easy to just sort of walk around the, a gallery and walk back out, or um, you know if everything's at eye level and not you know that that's that's caused like a a physical pause in the viewer or something and and a repositioning of you know even if it's just a moment or a... yeah exactly and. Um... And it's interesting to see how different age groups interact with that as well. Kids especially, I mean, they're so uh, naturally able to inhabit worlds of their own creation that um, that can be great to see um, how a kid might engage with a sculpture um, next to, you know, uh, someone who's 70 years old um, who has a different relationship to that kind of narrative projection or, or projecting themselves into a story. I think even without knowing the uh, the the text, like there was, you know, within the show, there's that definite like feeling of I don't know, almost like a computer game that you would you would move through, and it wasn't it wasn't quite certain where you were going, but uh, you know, eventually I'd click on one thing, and and something new would open up, or you know, where you're all of a sudden in a diff you know it feels like you're it's shifted into a different space and you're that there's this kind of journey well i guess even even um the title the escape frames it as you're you're journeying somewhere you're you're um moving from one place to another yeah and, and that um again was a conscious decision with um regards to the idea of making something for uh, a website I began to think about attention spans how my own attention span has shortened I think in in the time that I've been using the internet 
uh, in some ways and how to keep a, a viewer uh, engaged on that platform um, but also to give uh, the person engaging with the work some kind of albeit limited autonomy so that there was some sense that they were also going on a journey a bit like with a sculpture how someone um, is invited to lean down or, or, or get down to the floor to see the sculpture I think that sense of kind of projection was important to me so it was uh, so I wanted the viewer not just to be completely passive uh, in this instance uh, you know, I have a very discursive practice in many ways, um, in the sense that I do travel between different mediums, be it creative writing or sculpture or, or um, two-dimensional works um, or digital works. Um, I think what's helped me is that the project has, uh, the project of welding the hinterland shift has become a kind of lodestar for me that that I can navigate by, because. Uh, I needed to find a way to contain this this discursiveness um, and, and to kind of join the dots between my desire to explore different mediums. Yeah, does it become like a like a useful limitation then, or a, a not not a limit in what can be done, but just in directing you from? Yeah, I mean, I, I def definitely I find limitations. Um, very helpful uh, in, in general uh, for creativity. Um, I think in this case it's it's more a sense that the diversity of my practice can be justified because it's um, connected to one common aim which is to explore this um, fantasy kind of imaginative space um, so that that came as a great relief because I think there was a certain amount of frustration before I had that kind of unifying goal sometimes it, yeah the the yeah that that feeling of like oh well, I could do anything <laughs> is overwhelming mm. and to, mm. to to focus things a little bit is really helpful like with the sculptural works were there specific materials you were interested in uh, I think I'm. Um, I think I have a strong inspiration coming from the um, Arte Povera movement um, and that sense of using what's at hand. I like using um, materials that I can shape with my hands, um, plaster or cement or earth or sand, um, to create these landscapes. Um, but I also like the fascination that arises when you find kind of a peculiar. Uh, flake of of plastic, or um, create a, a creature out of plasticine, or um, these kind of like little moments of of um, color and surprise. And uh, in, in terms of material, I think have, have been uh, important to creating these overall landscapes um, as well. So yeah, I'll I'll incorporate um, a. a a wide variety of materials in into one sculpture. I guess that's like you're saying, like a bit of, a flake of plastic is, if it's if it's around, it's as much like a part of your environment as like a twig or, or a bit of earth or something. Yeah, yeah. I was reading um, one of the beat poets, uh, Gary Snyder, um, was talking about that uh, kind of artificial uh, designation that we make between. 
um, nature and then the built environment. And he was arguing that actually uh, it might be more correct to see uh, everything as nature and to not reinforce that artificial split that divides us off from the rest of of the world or of reality. So, um, with the with the the sort of three D work just exist for the duration of the exhibition, and then yeah, so that that comes down to storage often as well. Um, but it goes back further than that. I was right from the beginning, uh, you know, even in my late teens, interested in making transitory artworks and interested in transience as a um, as a concept or impermanence. Um, installation uh, almost always has to be transient um, from a from a practical point of view. Uh, certainly, living in London, where every cubic inch is um, extraordinarily expensive, but. I like the magic as well that comes in creating something for a very limited duration. Uh, it has these echoes that exist as, as photographs or, or clips of film or people's memories, but the actual physical object, um, the, the sculptures themselves, uh, need to be seen firsthand, I think, and yet can only be seen by a very limited number of people and um, for a very limited duration of time. Although I use um, inexpensive materials, it's an expensive way of working in terms of energy uh, because it, it takes a lot of effort to build big things that then get deconstructed. Um, so there is a kind of uh, a sort of flat quality that, to that as well, which I think is interesting, um, emotionally flat, the kind of the sense of building something and then letting it disintegrate. Um, and I don't mean that necessarily in a pejorative way, but uh, I'm interested in um, in the Tibetan tradition, Tibetan Buddhist tradition, uh, the sand mandalas that the monks make, uh, that they'll spend an extraordinary amount of um, care making um, these incredibly delicate uh, patterns in coloured sand. Um, and then afterwards, after a, um, three days or a week or however long, uh, it's swept uh, into bags and taken to the river and dispersed. Um, and I like that because a lot of things are like that and arguably everything is like that. Um, very, very transient, um, seemingly very solid and real, but uh, can very easily um, disappear as well or mutate into something else. Thank you, Lou, for taking the time to speak to me. You can see and read more of Lou Watkins' work at whitneycrocodile.com. My final interview this time is with Richard Phoenix and Robin Smith. Robin and Richard worked together on the show Zoom In on Scalf, which developed out of their weekly meetings on Zoom, where they would paint alongside each other. Richard is a painter, musician, and writer. Over the past few years, he has also been volunteering with Action Space, which is an organization that supports artists with learning disabilities. It was at Action Space that he met Robin Smith, a painter. Their collaboration developed from there. This was another interview that happened while I was testing positive for COVID-19. So 
appropriately, we spoke about Zoomin over Zoom. Richard was in Hastings and Robin was at Studio Voltaire in London. Charlotte Hollingshead and Eva Mae Griffiths at Action Space helped get everything set up for Robin and you can hear Eva Mae at various points during the conversation. Robin was sat in front of a group of his new paintings, so we were all talking about them as we began. And I think a, a big thing I've noticed in um, your paintings is uh, hands. Hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Should we do some yeah, hands close up? I do, I, do, I do the hands now. So what, what did you do before? I used to I used to put the hands behind the head or hide the hands behind the back. Now you've even done painted nails, haven't you? Yeah. Mm. Oh, would you you'd hide the hands so that you weren't painting them? Yeah. 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 So there's no hands to see. And um, I love painting hands, so I, I was, uh, <laughs> what would I say about it, Robin? hand painter. Yeah. But I, I just said not to worry about it. Yeah. No, they look great. Yeah, really beautiful. I love them so much. Now yeah, now, now it's all hands to the front. Yeah, they're all different shapes. Yeah. But if you don't like something, Robin, what do you do? I just paint it. I just paint it over it, mate. <laughs> yeah. It's quicker. <laughs> don't worry about it. Just paint over I used, it. I used to paint. I used to paint on canvas, but canvas got 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 too expensive. Is you working so quick? And not only that, we can't store it. Our store yeah. place is not big enough to store it. So what? what what are you working on now? Um, I'm working on gold. Okay. Yeah. This is all gold. Yeah. And you're working on paper? For uh, a while as well. I did work on paper, but I'm working on gold at the moment. Yeah. Because because of us meeting, I mean, that one thing I, I've now learned to be less precious and paint over things a lot more. Um, also, I work on paper a lot now. Yeah. It saves, yeah. saves, 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 um, time yeah it's quick you couldn't keep up because I, I had to have someone to stretch them for me yeah because I, I stretched a few canvases for you didn't I yeah because that's that, that's should we talk about how we met yeah yeah you want to sit down again, I think please? we sort we sort of started in the middle now let's <laughs> let's see if we can oh, that's, fine. <laughs> that's what editing is for yeah <laughs> where were you were you a bit we met um, at the studio, didn't we? Yeah. What was what was I doing? You come to volunteer. Yeah. And what was that like having me in the studio? Good. Do you want to shuffle along towards me, Robin? You were good. At least, at least, at least you at least you at least you was at you was an artist you could talk to. Yeah, so we used to talk quite a lot, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. And I stretched canvases for you. And you could draw as well. Just about. <laughs> I mean, some 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 of our volunteers they weren't very good at 
Oh. <laughs> Robin, come on. <laughs> at least you were good. Oh, well. And, and which studio was this that you were working at? Was it? Which studio? Um, studio volunteer. volunteer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where it, you are now. It was, um, it was Studio Voltaire before the big refurbishment, wasn't it? Yeah. So, 2018, maybe? The old studio used to be freezing cold. Yeah. You're in... You used to have to put your woolies on and your fur, and your fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I think I, think I, um, I did... Yeah, like nine, ten months there, but managed to avoid winter. <laughs> um, but then you you had to move out whilst move it was out. getting rebuilt. And where were you then? Yeah, we went. We went. We went to um, another studio in Brixton. Brixton. Oh, okay, but it was wasn't very good there. I mean, you you all we're all right at Brixton, but you've got a lot of you've got a lot of snobs there. I didn't really want to know who, who you were. Who you were. Yeah, mm. it was it was an old office block, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was it was an old it was an old um, uh, way we went and, and done climbing. Yeah, so it's the, I think Studio Voltaire is quite open, and you were using lots of like out in the yard and lots of communal space. Yeah. But in Brixton, it was more like these contained units, wasn't it? Brixton, yeah. I mean, I mean downstairs was um, uh, the snump part. was a lot of the people who didn't want to know you. And the, the upstairs part was pretty good. People wanted to know you. But some of them, some you got on with and some you didn't. <laughs> and then so did you when when did you start working alongside each other and painting alongside each other was that um, I, I, I i painted with richard at, at home it started off on, on when we when we had when we had the sort of um it was when the lockdown yeah, so I think it was the second lockdown. Um, we were both at home. So I was living in Brixton and you were at home in Tooting. Tooting. And what were we doing? We were doing a drawing. Yeah, because I was in my kitchen, wasn't I? Yeah. So I was doing a lot more drawing rather than painting. And were you drawing too, Robin, or were you painting? Yeah, I was painting and drawing. Okay, yeah. And are you using, is it acrylics or oil? I use acrylic. Okay, yeah. But I can, yeah. Oil, 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 oil smell. Yeah. <laughs> and I basically can't use oils because if I'm painting in the house, they, 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 don't, like, they, don't, they don't like the smell. Yeah, I basically I sort of stopped oil painting during the lockdowns because I was just like I can't, 
I can't be at home with it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, same. <laughs> I think I'm quite messy as well. So I was just, I, I knew that if I started using oil paint, it would creep out into the rest of the flat. Just, just paint all over the wall. Paint yeah. Like the, there'll always be a bit you don't see and then it's like, then it's on the sofa and it's on the like, yeah. you know, on all the furniture. <laughs> yeah. But when we, when we were first meeting on Zoom, like what, what would we do? What I mean. What was we doing? Yeah. Yeah. We drawing. We, I mean, but before that we'd kind of chat, wouldn't we? Yes. That's, yeah. Yeah. And then we sort of chat about what we're doing, what we're going to work on. We're going to work on. And then I would usually play some music, wouldn't I? Yeah, the music's good. Is it good? I was going to ask, was it good or bad? Because <laughs> <laughs> you'd always ask me, yeah, I could play anything. Um, yeah. No, and, I, uh, I, I was going to ask about the music. Like, did, did you just suggest things richard or yeah, I, su I suggest the music okay richard plays it were the were there like because i know there's like the the playlist and there's the music on the show were there things that that worked really well would you do the same songs yeah usually and... yeah we, we would repeat some stuff like dolly parton, dolly was, parton. was a big thing i think the first time like, because I sometimes, you know, use Spotify and it would, um, maybe we'd have an idea for one song and then it has a radio feature and we'd just kind of like go off oh, sometimes okay. into terrible territories. But um, I think a big thing was like when it played Motorhead for the mm -hmm. first time. Richard jumps a bit out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I quite like dancing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's dancing. Yeah. He's dancing. There's quite a few videos that didn't make the um, the the scale the show, mm. uh, but have have done the rounds. There's there's quite a um, uh, one that I think has been sent round everybody at Action Space. <laughs> yeah. And what song was it, Robin? Do you remember Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I sort of distracted myself and sang along and did a whole performance to the whole thing. <laughs> Do you find that you work differently when you're working together than when you're work just working on your own? Or... Not really. That's, I, th I think that's, that's, that's quite a, I think at, at first, so you can see here, I think I was, I was like drawing Robin. Oh, okay. Um, and Robin, you were just getting on with what you wanted to do. And I think I, after maybe a few times of me doing this, I just realized like, I should just get on with doing what I would normally do. And that was like more important. Um, so I think like Robin, you saying that you don't work differently. I think that's actually quite an important thing because it's, uh, 
yeah, it's important that, you know, I'm not like changing the way that you work because then, hmm. you know, that, that wouldn't be good. But, and I think you taught me through doing this that actually just getting on with the, like working alongside one another was more important than necessarily like focusing on each other. I don't know if that makes sense. Getting the work out. Yeah. And not, not making something just specifically for this, like for the meeting, but making what you're going to make anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the sort of, um, you know, making that space to spend time with one another was the important thing. Uh, and kind of, yeah, it's almost giving each other, I mean, for me, especially like giving myself the permission to make work. And I think, Robin, you're like, so highly motivated and so yeah you just get on with it and i think sometimes i really need you know it's really it's really great working on something it needs a good it needs a good push yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know i think it always needs something that's like don't worry about it just do it <laughs> and then are you um i think i read somewhere are you going to do a show together at some point soon. That, yes. That's that's the plan, isn't it, Robin? Uh, that's the plan. Yeah, and there's uh, the idea to do some of this in person. And it's all to do with the money. <laughs> <laughs> Always, but yeah. But I think we've got a little bit to to do we've something. Got we've got a little we? bit. We've yeah, little. Um, but the idea is that we'll do this. Uh, so people can come and watch. So we'll be come painting. Watch, come, come watch us doing it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and how how does that make you feel to to be painting and people can come and watch? Good. <laughs> See, I'm a bit of a shadow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a bit the opposite. So I think you're going to be my. Um, you're going to need to support me. <laughs> I'll get me t-shirts. T-shirts? Yeah. Should we get what, like, our names printed on the back? Yeah. Robin, you were talking about giving yourself a stage name today. My stage name? I've got a stage name, haven't I? Oh, yeah. Well, when you paint live. I've got to print one up. So do you have any ideas? No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I wonder with the the, sh the show how you were thinking about gesture, as that's the sort of theme of this series of exhibitions on Scalf. Yeah. So, um, Robin. Yeah. Do, do you know what the word uh, gesture means? Not really. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think gesture is kind of. Um, I think I, the way I think about it a lot is the the the, the, the way that you can kind of like um, su suggest things or like offer things or kind of yeah. uh, um, kind of like offer your work up. Yeah, but like off off. You can, it's a way of offering things to people. Does that make like sense? Like when you made me a card for my birthday, that was a kind gesture. Yeah. I made a card. Yeah, so it's a way of it's a way of saying something, but without 
using the word. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of a lot of uh, gestures with people kind of are often done with hands. Hands. And kind of expressions. And face. Yeah, and I think that for me and you, obviously, I think we we focus on that a lot, don't we, with our painting? Like what the people we paint, what they're doing with their hands. But I think as well with with gesture, I think one of the most important ones was us doing this. Yeah. So I think working alongside one another, it was we weren't we weren't necessarily saying the words of encouragement, but like I was saying before, like um, getting to work alongside you was that was the encouragement and the kind of you were giving you were offering that just that kind gesture to spend time with me and paint. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I, su I suppose also, like if you're, uh, you know, you're busy with painting or you're listening to music, it's not necessarily, there were times you would be chatting, but there are times you'd just be, you'd just be seeing that the other person was working. There and then we, well. talk, we talk after the, after we've done, after we've done the, done the music. Yeah, we'd kind of, and the way that we talk is through looking at what we've done. What we've done, yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was wonderful, you know, seeing maybe like a blank canvas at the beginning. And then, you know, after an hour or so, getting to see what each each of us had done. So would it be like that most Fridays where you'd kind of work and then at the end sort of have a look at what you got done that day? And yep. Yeah, I think it's really important like to share, like, um, like you say, Robin, you're a bit of a showman. You like to share what you do, don't you? <laughs> you like to get it, get it in front of people. Get it in front of people. Yeah. Whereas you I... conversation at the end of your work. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's how you make. That's how you make contacts. On. <laughs> so, well, I think I, I find I find it a bit harder. So it's it's it's. Um, it's nice to be, you know, put in a position where somebody's actively like, you know, looking at your work and wants to see what you've done. So again, it's a really, it's a, it's a. Well, that's why, that's why when you, when you show work, you shake hands. It's, it's kind of like a shake, it's that, you know, being unable to do it. That, know, way, that way, that way you can make contacts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people like your work. Then they pass it round. So you think it's important to have a talk about the work as well as yeah. the show? I, yeah, I mean, I think sharing is really important and it, it's nice to be doing it alongside somebody else that you trust and you're, you're comfortable with and stuff. Yeah, that's why, that's why I've got, got a lot of artists who, who work in these different studios. Yeah, so you're, you're meeting people all the time. I talk to you? them. And do, do you think it's important for them to see your work? Yeah. What, why do you think that is? Well, then they can they can like it, and they can talk to someone else, and someone else talks to them, and they work gets around. 
Yeah. Well, I, th I think it's a, it's an important bit of like a painting being finished is other people seeing it or you're kind of, you're, yeah, letting people look at it. And because um, it's almost, yeah, I, I almost think if, if something just sits in my studio and I don't show it to anyone, then is it done? <laughs> or or what was the point? You know, there's a, there's a night, you know, there's a bit like I really like making things, but um, yeah, you want. Do you want that at the end? Do you want to like have people talking about it or talking to you or um, seeing something in it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, a way to have a conversation with people, I think. Yeah, you yeah. quite like talking about the work, don't you? Of course. Yeah. Because me and you can talk about hands for hours, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> But we're, we're carrying on. We've sort of carried on since since the exhibition. So it's it's a year and a half now, isn't it, Robin? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So when so when you're eighty odd, when you're eighty odd, are we going to keep meeting till I'm eighty? <laughs> okay. You've heard it here first, exclusive. Yeah. I'm, I'm tied in now until I'm eighty. There'll probably be amazing technology by then. Maybe you can like, yeah. It'll be in VR. We'll be yeah. Like, we'll be painting with our minds. Painting with your minds. Yeah, no hands involved. Just be like thinking about it. No, you can't paint. You can't paint with no hands. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I have the feeling that you'll keep it old school, like. Yes. Yeah. Good. No hands are important. Yeah. <laughs> Painting's important. Yeah, definitely. That's the next show title, isn't it? Hands are important. Painting is important. That's what we should have on the t-shirts. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like yeah. I'm in. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> this t-shirt. We should have the same. Yeah. No. 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 That's a really good idea. All right. Okay. Brilliant. So we got t-shirts that say that on it. Yeah. Yeah. And your stage names. Yeah. <laughs> you've got yeah, you've got to work on it. I can call I can call myself the best artist in the world. I really, I would love, I'd love uh, a picture of <laughs> us in our t-shirts. You, you and me painting. On the back of your t-shirt, just says the best artist in the world, and then on the back of mine, it just says Richard. Wasn't proud of that sound. Good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's the vision. <laughs> Thank you, Robin and Richard and Eva May. I think that conversation helped speed up my recovery. Before and after the interview, we heard a bit of the track Up In My Grill by Too Hot For Candy. They work with Heart and Soul, which is another project Richard is involved in. Find out more at heartandsoul.co.uk. 
You can find out more about everything Richard does at richardphoenix.com and you can see more of Robin's paintings at actionspace.org slash artists slash Robin dash Smith. I guess that's all for this episode of the Scalp Podcast. It was great to get a chance to speak with Alice Hartley, Lou Watkins, Robin Smith, and Richard Phoenix. Thank you also to Eva May and Charlotte at Action Space for helping to facilitate the interview with Robin. The Gesture series of exhibitions will be on the Scalf website through the first part of 2022 and archived thereafter. Be sure also to check out Frank Kent's show, Flower Gift, which is the final project in the series. The audio excerpts you heard on this episode were from Kit Grill, Lou Watkins, and Too Hot for Candy. Theme music on this episode is courtesy of the Cleaners from Venus and the Free Music Archive. I am Mark Belden. I'd like to send a big thank you to Claire Undy and Lizzie Munn at Scalf. This production is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. Scalf is at www.scalf.org.uk, and all the past exhibitions are archived there. Listen or subscribe to the Scalf podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 11 will accompany the next series of exhibitions in a few months. Until then. Thank